This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm sharing with you a conversation that I had with Ryder Carroll. He's the creator of The Bullet Journal and also the new author of the brand new book, The Bullet Journal Method, Track the Past, Order the Present, Design the Future. And in this conversation, Ryder and I talk about what bullet journaling is, why he needed to create it for himself first, and why others have latched onto it, and why the bullet journal method is all about intentional living and weeding out distractions so that you can focus your time and energy in pursuit of what's truly meaningful, not just in work, but in life. So if you are a bullet journaler, or you've heard of bullet journaling, or if you've never heard of bullet journaling, this episode is for you because you're going to find out more about it, more about the benefits of it, and find out about it as an option to use for, again, as the subtitle says, tracking the past, ordering the present, and designing the future. And of course, when we talk about those, we mean tracking your past, ordering your present, and designing your future. And who doesn't need to be doing those to be more productive? So enjoy this conversation with Ryder Carroll. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Ryder Carroll. Ryder, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, uh, your legend looms large, or at least the words (laughs) bullet journal do, for sure. I had actually never known who it was that had come up with it until somebody reached out and said, you had this book. But I've heard of bullet journaling for years, or the words bullet journal for a long time. And, I, you know, it kind of had that feeling, I'm not trying to downplay it or or make it sound bad, but it had this feeling of like, ooh, the next productivity fad. You know what I mean? So, sure. uh, and here's the thing, like I, as as a person who doesn't necessarily have any artistic uh, talent when it comes to drawing and also kind of hate my own penmanship, didn't really feel like this is a place where I wanted to go, but for you, you needed to do this. So I'd love to hear a little bit of the story behind, you know, your, your reasons for creating this, the struggle you kind of had, uh, back in the day and, you know, why that led you to this. Sure. Um, so very early on, it turned out that I had learning deficiencies, right? I, I was like the last of my class and we couldn't really figure out what was going on there until finally I was diagnosed with ADD. And this is like, way back in the 80s. So there were not a lot of resources available to me. And that was challenging because people were kind of trying to figure out how to treat this. And then the the common signs or telltale examples of people who had ADD were that they couldn't focus, they were hyperactive, the list goes on and on and on. So I kind of had a choice to make. Either I could just constantly direct people towards my diagnosis and hope for their participation, if you will, or I could actually do something about it, right? And 
it's not like all of a sudden, bam, bullet journal was born. What did happen though, is it made me focus on trying to figure out ways in which I could overcome the challenges that I faced consistently. And that took a very long time. And the way that I did that was using at first, just like the notebooks that I had in class, essentially, and trying to figure out ways where I could like organize my thoughts and take notes. And like one tiny piece at a time, I'd find things that would work. Now, when I say tiny, I mean, very tiny, the way I wrote, like how I entered information, the templates that I was using, but it always evolved as we evolved, right? It wasn't like, oh, I came up with this thing and now it's finished. Again, it was constantly evolving and refining these concepts that I had. And then flash forward towards my professional career where I started becoming a digital product designer. I started integrating a lot of the things that I learned about user experience and the way that people understand and can follow visual narratives, if you will, right? Systems and architecture. And like that started factoring back into my paper notebook. So the thing that I found that was really strange is when I started developing all these things, there, there was no internet, right? And there weren't really any digital apps that focused on what I had challenges with. And those challenges changed over time, you know, like with different periods in my life, I was a student and then I was a professional and so forth and so on. But one thing I noticed that I thought was really interesting is that regardless of what stage I was in my life, coming back to my notebook proved more and more valuable, especially as I had more agency over my life. You know, when you're in school, you're kind of in a situation that is dictated to you, you're your classes. I mean, there's a little bit of flexibility with the the curriculum that you can choose. But, you know, once you start looking for a job and then you start looking for another job, you're, you're slowly kind of focusing in on things that are actually really interesting to you. And I found that the systems that I designed made me significantly more productive as they were applied to things that actually interested me. So basically, as a digital product designer, I found that thinking became significantly easier when I went offline, when I unplugged. And that was something that I thought was kind of curious because I love using apps. I use them all the time. But I found that when it came to my productivity, the apps that I was using weren't making me more productive. But when I would go offline, when I would unplug and start you know, mapping out either logo designs or wireframes or everything, I could think much easier and, and there was like no digital friction, right? I didn't have to learn how to use the software or export this or do that. I just could think. It was just me and my notebook, free from any distractions. And uh, yeah, I, I continue to use the bullet journal as a way to think, essentially. You know, and that's, that's kind of the first step in becoming more productive. How do I want to spend my time? What's worth my time? As I was reading the book and was going through and, and, and essentially I was discovering that what you had designed was really this way to have an analog version of what, you know, almost to this point has become, you know, cookie cutter task management apps that all have maybe a different flavor of UI and a couple of features that are differentiated between them all. But you've got this and really this is as viable or honestly for a lot of people out there should be more viable as a contender in terms of 
what quote app they should be using uh, for that very uh, the the focus uh, benefit of it. I, I was thrilled to see that Cal Newport was <laughs> endorsing the book because he's been on the show recently and we talked about, you know, how he does productivity when he doesn't do social media. He does computer stuff, but then he prints stuff out. And, you know, so I imagine he's using some forms of what you're doing along with his, you know, analog productivity system. Yeah. One thing that I found really interesting is I've used a lot of digital to-do lists, right? And the challenge that I kept running into is that they just kind of be never ending. And then eventually they become overwhelming. And then I just abandon them or the the company shut down and all of a sudden the app is gone and all the material is gone and all those, you know, they're just like a lot of different, a lot of different things in the digital space that reduce how productive I could become. And I, I couldn't really figure it out until I realized that the reason that the bullet journal allowed me to become more productive is because by design, it forces you to re-engage with your to-do list. Right. And that's something <laughs> that took me a while to kind of like put those two pieces together, even though I designed the bullet journal like <laughs> in the bullet journal, we have this thing called refle- reflection and migration. And these are two different mechanisms that force us to re-engage with our to-do list. So it's not just simply about capturing everything. That's like step one, and it's the first step, and it's a strong step. But step two, which I think is the critical step, is starting to curate our to-do lists on a continual, ongoing basis, right? So we capture all these things, and then we got to ask ourselves, do these things actually matter, or are they vital? And if they're not, why are they on the to-do list? And then two things happen. One, the to-do list gets much shorter because things get outdated, right? These things on your to-do list don't matter anymore or because their time has run up or because you have different circumstances. So automatically it filters it down. But the thing that's more interesting to me is that as you start to filter down and as you start to focus your to-do list, the things that you are working on are things that you're more likely to work on because you understand what's at stake, right? You have chosen to take the time to rewrite that item again, in your notebook, which is what migration pretty much is. Look at your to-do list. Does it matter? Yes. Okay. I have to rewrite it. And if you don't want to rewrite it, if you don't want to spend the effort that it takes to rewrite something, (laughs) then chances are it's probably not all that meaningful in your life. So that's kind of the the big switch or that's, that's kind of a big light bulb moment for most people. It's when they realize that it's just because something can be done doesn't mean that it should be done. That's an excellent point. And of course, then with a digital task management system, that task can, even if it's not worthy of being a task, can live on forever in the digital system forever or be bumped forward continually. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the, the distinction that, that I've made is that a lot of times we mistake efficiency and convenience, right? Mm. On the one hand, it's very convenient to be able to just kind of like blast out a list of things that you have to do, but that's not in fact making you more efficient, right? Because now you're just bogged down by way more things that you have to do. So for me, I think about efficiency a lot and I think I have a little bit of a different take on it. For me, efficiency is only partly measured in speed, but it's about spending as much time as possible working on the things that matter. 
Yeah, it's it's like a budget. Like efficiency in a budget wouldn't mean you're making lots of money fast. It would also mean you're spending it on the right things. Right. So that's kind of a, a metaphor to, to use with that. So one of the things that, uh, you know, I was talking with Michael Hyatt. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not. Maybe, possibly. But uh, he said one of the things that he's heard from, you know, the people that are in his community is – when it comes to specifically uh, GTD, David Allen's getting things done, is a lot of people will say that, quote, it doesn't work for them because they feel like they're spending a lot of time working on the system instead of getting things done, actually doing the work inside that. And I think what you've got here is that healthy balance, because I, I, I kind of balked at that a little bit, and I said, well – you do have to do some work on the system. In other words, you do need to spend some time inside of the things that you said you were going to do or have been handed to you to do and then decide if they're worth doing, when they're worth doing, or if somebody else should be doing them. And that's kind of what you're saying with the the reflection and the migration, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody has a tool that helps them become more productive. Right. And I, I feel like the strength of the bullet journal is that you can make that tool, whatever you need it to be. Essentially for me, that tool is kept to an absolute minimum. <laughs> I like yes. to say, like spending as little time as possible bullet journaling. I mean, that, that, that might seem counterintuitive, but really for me, it's a tool to get things off my list. Like it, it's the tools are only as effective as they allow you to execute, right? To, to actually work on the things at hand. So for me, it's always about trying to figure out how little friction can there be between the thing that helps me get organized and the thing that helps me execute. And that looks very different to different people. And it's one thing I actually really love about the bullet journal. Like you had mentioned earlier, you see a lot of examples online of bullet journaling because it's a very visual approach and sometimes you see these incredibly elaborate examples and a lot of times people think one of two things a i don't have time for that i don't have time to like decorate my pages and b <laughs> right. i can't i can't do that i'm not an artist that's never going to happen the bullet journal is not for me and those are two very fair points but it doesn't need to be that if you look at mine it's black and white hardly any illustration unless the illustrations is specifically for something that I'm working towards. But that being said, I really don't want to um, in any way criticize that approach either, because what I've come to learn is that a lot of times when people decorate their pages and they spend a lot of time doing something like that's their thinking process, right? So like they have, I don't know, clouds and dates and colors and paints, but in the process of doing that, that allows them to focus, right? And that's what I find is so interesting. Like for me, it's black and white for somebody else. It's like an illuminated manuscript, but in both cases, they are serving the same purpose. So I think it's really important to find the tools that are right for you. And then hopefully that tool is flexible enough to change over time with you. Like I've seen bullet journalists go from incredibly elaborate pages to super minimal pages. And then I've seen the reverse as well. And that's the evolution of their self-learning which I think is critical in productivity. Like I, I don't believe that there's anything that solves all the challenges. It's about figuring out what works for you right now and understanding that it won't later or that it needs to be tweaked and has to evolve alongside with you. Fortunately, the bullet journal allows for that space. 
I really like this idea that you're not calling it, you know, a, a productivity system so much as it is a, a methodology. And, and in fact, that's why I believe the book is called the bullet journal method that it's not, you know, Hey, here's, you know, you could have easily said the bullet journal tutorial. Here's how to bullet journal, but that's not even what the book is all about either. It's all about this, this mindfulness, this intentionality, why this methodology is important and has helped you. And again, as you started to teach it to others prior to this book, why it caught on so quickly. Yeah. I mean, again, I I think there's like no fixed point for productivity. And I think that it's our responsibility to figure out what's working and what isn't. And I designed the bullet journal to be very flexible. Admittedly, at first, that flexibility stemmed from the way that I took notes. I did a lot of art in the past. So I'd use my notebooks as a way to capture ideas and concepts and and designs and so forth. On the other hand, I needed to get things done. I had to do lists. So I designed a system in which you could basically dump your mind, no matter <laughs> you dump your mind and your thoughts, no matter what shit they would take. So on one hand, that's the system, right? It helps you organize your thoughts. And then the mindfulness practice of bullet journal is constantly coming back to those thoughts and trying to understand why you make the choices you made, what matters, what is vital. And then learn from that so you can start to make much more informed decisions moving forward. It's a very evolutionary and ongoing practice. And I say it's practice because it is work. And that work is important because time works in one of two ways, right? The the thing I keep saying is that you can't make time, you can only take time. But there's another element to that. It's like, you either take the time, or it will be taken from you by something else, right? And I feel like in the rush of our busy lives, time is constantly taken from us. Like the bullet journal champions, the idea of you sitting down and starting to understand how you're spending your time and energy and learning how to take back the time to focus it towards things that actually matter to you, things that you believe in, or at least taking the time to surface those things maybe you don't know what is meaningful maybe you don't know what your purpose is that's okay but if you don't take the time to explore that that time will be taken from you so that's that's a big part of why bullet journal is a methodology on one hand you have the system which basically just lays a foundation for you to be able to do this work and then you have the practice which gives you different techniques by how you can refine how you spend your time and energy in the long term, right? And also to explain and make it very clear to you that you have to continuously do this work. That's been my experience. Something that worked last year does not work now. Our circumstances change, our needs change. And so the way we operate also has to be reviewed on an ongoing basis. The other thing that I think is uh, very interesting here is these, the, the idea that you came up with basically an analog methodology, or at least an analog implementation of a methodology is a better way to put it. But you're a digital product designer, and yeah. kind of the juxtaposition between those two <laughs> things, you know? Sure. Yeah, I mean, people always ask me, digital or analog? And I think that there's room in this world for both. Like I'll be the first one to admit that there are plenty of things the bullet journal can't do. And I use digital apps all the time to schedule this call, for example, and email and all these things. So I, I, 
I don't want to be an extremist <laughs> in either camp. I, I think it's about figuring out what tools help you become more productive. And what I found really interesting is when I was you know, designing apps and websites and so forth, it would start in the bullet journal to kind of get the ideas out with the least amount of friction to really take thoughts and then breathe life to them as I write them down. And then I could take that the proto idea essentially and start refining it in digital tools, right? It's like bullet journal is not going to replace Photoshop. It's not happening, but it's, it's, um, it's about finding a balance and being very mindful about, are you using that app because it's the new thing or are you using the app because it's actually helpful? And this is a trap that I've fallen into plenty of times before. I'm like, Ooh, that's going to take care of all my problems and that's going to make everything much easier and so forth. But oftentimes it doesn't, or it does for a time. And what I found interesting about the bullet journal is it like continues to add value regardless of what I'm working on or what I'm doing. And that's not to say that the bullet journal will work for anyone. But the reason that I, as a digital product designer, keep going back to it is because it helps me unplug. Like I can't tell you how many times I start like working on something on my computer, like, okay, I got to figure out how this user flow is going to work. And the next thing you know, I'm like buying shoes online. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> like magically, you know, warped over to a completely different part of my mind. That doesn't happen when I sit down with my notebook. Yeah. And there, there right there is the exact reason why, like, again, when I, when I was mentioning Cal Newport, I was like, oh, this is, this is really a methodology and a, you know, a path forward for a lot of people who really need to get a better handle on their productivity, not just in an efficiency kind of a way or, you know, path forward for greater efficiency, but also a path forward to track and set and plan and all of those things, you know, their goals and doing the right things to move forward, but not with technology that can derail them focus wise. Certainly. And, and again, you know, I, I always keep coming back to the same thing. It's about being very mindful about how the tools actually affect your productivity. Like tools can make you more productive, but productivity as a whole can be its own form of distraction. It's like, wow, now I'm working like really efficiency, uh, really efficiently towards all these things that actually won't move me forward. Mm -hmm. Right. You can spend all day crafting perfect spreadsheets and to-do lists and all these things because technology makes it super easy. But if that's not, if that's not uh, making an impact, if it's not, you know, helping you actually execute on the things, then that's when you need to take a step back and be like, okay, I'm spending like all day getting organized and like zero time actually executing on what is, <laughs> what I have organized. You know, the spreadsheet is beautiful, but it's turning out to be a major time suck. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. 
In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I think it would probably make sense for us to spend a little bit of time talking about the, you know, without going too far deep into it, some of the nuts and the bolts of what makes up the bullet journal itself and even then spinning over into some of the, you know, hangups or objections that people have to moving towards using this. Sure. So, uh, and, and by the way, I do want to say, I want to start by saying, um, again, the book is called The Bullet Journal Method, and then the subtitle really kind of clarifies it, where it talks about track, it says, track the past, order the present, design the future. And it really is all about having a structure, having a, a handle, having a an intentionality, a thought process on the past, the present, and the future, and having them all kind of in this tangible place that you can point to. But they're right there. As I said, the word tangible, some people are like, yeah, but if I write it all down in a journal, uh, number one, really, is it really just me writing a bulleted list? And two, what if I lose the journal? So <laughs> um, there, there, there's a lot to unpack there. So yes, I'll, there I'll try to kind of give you the, the overview of how the bullet journal system works. On the one hand, yes, there are bulleted lists. That is definitely something I don't claim to have invented, but there are certain modifications that I made, but I want to take a step back. Um, I think it's best to kind of take a bird's eye view of how I see the bullet journal method. On the one hand, you have the system, and on the other hand, you have the practice. So the system is what you see on Pinterest and Instagram and so forth. And I think the best way to conceptualize the system is as a Lego set, right? It's a modular system. And each piece serves to collect specific types of information. So maybe it's a shopping list. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's a health tracker. It collects whatever is related to that topic in something we call a collection. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah. So you can create a collection for pretty much anything that you want. And that allows the bullet journal to map up onto a variety of different use cases. But at its core, there are only four collections. First, there's the daily log. And the daily log is the workhorse 
of the bullet journal. And that serves to basically allow you to offload your thoughts throughout the day as a codified list. So yes, it's a bulleted list, but the bullets inside the bullet journal are actually categories. So we categorize our thought so we can very quickly understand what it is that we're thinking about and what we need to address later. And that the categories are tasks, events, and notes. And each one of these bullets is a very concise sentence. And it forces us to really distill what is most meaningful about an idea or a thought and write it down. So you're not really thinking about it as the day unfolds and the influx of data starts happening. This helps you to kind of relieve the pressure upstairs, if you will, by just emptying out your head on paper. Then we have the monthly log. And the monthly log is comprised of both a calendar as well as another task list. This task list, however, is much more considered, right? These are the things that you want to get done this month. These are things that you've really thought about. You are making an intentional list where the daily log is kind of a catch-all. The monthly log is much more of a plan of action, if you will. Then the calendar serves one of two purposes. It can be either used as a traditional calendar, but I prefer to actually use it as a timeline. So I write down events after they happen and having the context of when things actually happen can be very illuminating. You know, have you been on this diet for a month or is it only has it been a week and a half and it's felt like a month? Did you call that person on Thursday or, you know, those kind of things that can be very sobering to see when what actually happened, if you will, right? Because it shows you, it highlights your behavior in a way that other things don't. So you have the daily log to capture your thoughts, the monthly log to get prepared for the month. You also have a future log. So the bullet journal works organically, it unfolds as your life unfolds. You don't hoard pages. You're not really planning ahead. So the future log serves to capture everything that falls outside the current month. And I like to kind of refer to it as a time machine because it shows you the future that you're working towards, which can also be very clarifying, right? It's like, okay, here are all my obligations for the next six months. Is that the life that I want to work towards? And then the last core collection is the index, which as the name suggests, allows you to actually index all the content inside your notebook so you can find it much faster. And the index becomes incredibly valuable when you start designing and adding your own collections into this framework. So the four core collections really establish the foundation of the bullet journal. And then once you become comfortable with the system, you can start building on it and you can start using only the pieces that you need to become more productive or whatever it is that your goal is. And see, the thing is, is I can track right along with that. Anybody who has spent any time inside of any kind of, again, digital productivity, task management system, whatever you want to call it, whatever app, let's put it that way. We'll call it apps from now on. Uh, whatever app of choice you've used in the past, and again, most productivity people have tried, tried out a whole bunch of them. Those things don't sound foreign. Like we've got, you know, okay, my daily log is essentially... Again, there's a lot more, there's a lot more method and intentionality behind what you're talking about, but I'm using really simplified terms just to kind of translate. Uh, the daily log is essentially, Hey, that's my to do list for today. And the monthly log is, is basically like, although there's a big difference. Actually, let me, I'm going to pause here. The monthly log is not necessarily 
I mean, it, there's planning steps in there, but it's also law. Lo- it it leans more heavily on the log. I would, uh, from what I heard you describe it as, it's less like, you know, the digital calendar where people are, you know, if somebody has an assistant that's taking care of the booking of their appointments and things like that. Like they don't necessarily have, well, they don't really have an easy way to get access to your monthly log because it's not digital. It's analog, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, I mean, to clarify the monthly log, which is actually a, a really critical element in the system. So before I describe the methodologies, both a system and a practice, and this is where the practice comes into play. So in the monthly log, we also go through migration, which I had mentioned earlier. And migration is you going through all of your daily logs from the past month and seeing what tasks remain undone. And it's not about you know highlighting how unproductive you were. Rather, I like seeing it as an opportunity for you to curate what it is that you're working on. So now you have all these undone tasks. And for each task, you ask yourself, does it matter? Is it vital? Sometimes it is, in which case you have to rewrite it, right? That's the tax for not having done it. But it also makes you understand that this is valuable. So that goes into your monthly logs task list. So sometimes these undone tasks remain valuable, but oftentimes they don't. So this is the filtration process that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. It forces you to rewrite these things. So it's not just like an agenda for the month. It's a way for you to distill what your priorities are, what will add value to your life and so on. As far as then using a digital calendar, what would you suggest is kind of a, a hybrid possibility for that? Because some people can't let go of the digital calendar. And I think there's a different use between those two things like your monthly log yeah. and the digital calendar are actually, they're both a calendar, but they're two different tools. Yep. There's not redundancy. Explain. No, no, it's an easy tool for me to explain. Oh, that's, that's an easy situation for me to explain because I am one of those people. Right. I use GCAL. Like I, I use it all day long. Um, I find, again, this is one of those times where is the tool actually helping you or not? Like, it's not about me, like, always using the bullet journal or forcing myself to use it. So I use Google Calendar because I have to do a lot of scheduling. And the idea of having to, like, rewrite my schedule constantly, A, doesn't appeal to me. And I've tried it, clearly. And that's just not productive, right? So for me, the calendar inside the bullet journal, again, is more of a timeline. It's... um it's for me to write down the most important event that has already occurred. So I use the calendar sort of in the past tense, whereas I use Google Calendar for all the things that are up and coming and things that I need to coordinate with people and that kind of thing. And the balance for me is throughout the day, I will capture an event in my daily log. So it's like, okay, book launch October 23rd. That would be something I write down in my in my daily log. And then uh, during reflection at the end of the day, which is another part of the practice, um, I will add that into my Google Calendar. So that will be there. Um, but mostly the things in my calendar relate to scheduling, which constantly changes. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's about offloading ideas into my notebook through the day and then taking the ideas that need to find a different tool um, later. And often the things that I write down don't go anywhere because I decide that they are actually not valuable. 
Well, that's that's, in between step. Yeah. Well, and that speaks to the idea that again, the bullet journal method is not Luddite. It's not anti-technology. It's just leaning into the strengths of analog, just like then how, you know, Google calendar is a strength of a technical tool, a technological tool that the journal doesn't necessarily have. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's about figuring out the tools that help you become more productive. You know, yeah. and, and for me, I, I feel like the, to get back to the whole idea of efficiency and, and, and um, convenience, I always ask myself, is this efficient or is this convenient? Sometimes it's both, but a lot of the times it's, it's when it's easy for me to forget information, then that sense of a red flag mm. really quickly. Um, and the bullet journal in many ways adds friction. And some people balk at that. They're like, I don't want friction. I want my life to be easier. <laughs> and for me, and then like friction for me kind of equals, uh Oh, that's going to take time and effort. And it does. And there's, there's no way around that. But the way that I see it is that you're putting in a little bit more time and effort up front rather than wasting significantly more time later, right? When you're working on something that really serves no purpose or isn't important, which happens all the time. So I rather like stop, pause, take a step back. Is this something I'm going to work on? Yes. Okay. I'm going to take the five seconds to rewrite it. And then I know that when I'm working on it, I don't have to worry about it or I won't get to the end of that and be like, well, this was a huge waste of time. If I'd only thought about it a little bit more then you know, I could have saved all that time. So it's a, it's a little bit more time investment up front to save a lot later down the road. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Again, that's one of those things where it's like, spend that time up front, save yourself tons of time, magnified time later on that you don't go down the, you know, it's it's like having to come back down the path that you, you're like, oh, crap, it's the wrong path. I got to come back and start <laughs> go down the, the right path now. So yeah, exactly. you don't want to want to you don't want to be retracing your steps. But in the cases where you do like, no amount of intentionality is going to prevent you from all of a sudden only working on the right things, right? It's, right. It's, it's like sometimes you work on a project and you know what? It doesn't work out or you just don't care anymore or whatever it is. One thing that's nice about having this log of your choices and how things were is like you can actually retrace your steps really quickly, right? It's not just like something on your calendar. You can see every day what you worked on and how you felt about it because you can, you know, Part of these thoughts is you can write down your feelings as well. And I mean, that's a much longer conversation, but you could be like, okay, today we hit this milestone, you know, this worked, this did not, we should try this next time. And you can like review all that information and learn from it, right? So the next time you come up against something that's similar, you've actually written it down. Like the chances of you remembering that experience are much higher, right? Simply because you wrote it by hand and the science bears that out. Right. So you have this you have a record of an experience, even if it's a failed experience, at least you have a record and you can trace your steps very clearly, see where you went wrong in the project, see where you could have done something better next time. And then you can do that. You can take your learnings and apply them to the next step. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, again, why one of the significant pieces to this is migration, because you can then migrate and then in a sense, you can archive the older journals that you can have, you know, have them lined up on a shelf somewhere to easily pull out and, you know, go through and say, wait, I know that we've done this before. Let's go learn from the past. Right. 
Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the way bullet journalists said this best, I think it was Kim Alvarez, that each bullet journal adds another volume to the library of your life. Mm. And I feel like that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Like you're literally creating a record of your entire experience. And that's, that can be an incredibly important resource to have available to you because chances are you will work on the same things again. And maybe this time it will work out because of the first failure. You learned that like, okay, much more time was needed in this area and not in that area. And you'll also be able to know very quickly from your index where that is in which notebook. So yeah, I think that, that those records have helped me tremendously in course correcting in real time. But also when I start planning ahead, you know, it's allowed me to say no much more efficiently because I learned the last time, if that makes sense. Well, and I think even those, you know, those volumes, as, as you put it, are something that even somebody who prescribes to the approach to life called uh, minimalism, you know, where you get rid of as much stuff as you can would say, well, well th- those are things that are worth keeping around. You know, you put those in a place where either it's, it is, they, they, they could easily become decoration in a, in a cool way because they have a tangible and a practical and uh, other, uh, you know, points of value. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a minimalist as well, and I, I will say the thing that I struggle with the most is the weight of books, certainly, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I have a lot of books. <laughs> but, you know, a big part of that philosophy is that everything you own is another piece of weight that's weighing you down. And in this case, I feel like this is actually weight that's worth bearing because it adds value to my life. And I think that's really at the essence of minimalism, like only add things to your life that add value. And I found this to be incredibly valuable. Yeah. I know that one of the other uh, possible objections to people would be, well, the journal, uh, you know, if I, if I use a task management system or a journal or some hybrid of that, that's digital, then it's backed up onto the cloud. And and this isn't. That's true. But it's um, again, like I I feel like in my experience, I've, I've lost notebooks and it hasn't been the end of the world because I've, been writing it consistently right through each migration you're refreshing your to-do list and in that process you're also dedicating it to memory significantly better right like i can operate with a much more clear clearer idea of what my priorities are in my day-to-day just because i've been putting the work in it's a bummer but it's not the end of the world and plus you know i've had plenty of to-do lists where an upgrade you know clears my to-do list or it becomes like, again, the company shuts down and it goes away and digital has its own problems, but it's, it's definitely a challenge. But one thing that the community has done is they just start taking pictures of their notebooks, right? If that's a real concern and I don't know, it, it, it's, uh, I'm not going to stand here and say that that's not a problem. Yeah. Like, sure. That, that is something, but at the same time, there are some very simple ways for that not to happen. And one of those is, it doesn't leave the house. If you're really concerned that it's going to get lost and it doesn't leave the house, what some bullet journalists have done is they create one bullet journal for work and one for home. I personally like one, but because it's such an important tool, like for me, it's always the first thing in the bag and then out of the bag. And I think it's important to have something that is valuable to you that you carry around, right? And because it's valuable, you're less likely to lose it. 
in my experience. Can you lose it? Absolutely. Is it a bummer? Absolutely. But um, one thing, uh, I, I will I will share one story with you that I think is really interesting. I feel like notebooks have kind of this unspoken understanding amongst people that they're valuable, right? In general, I've once had a hole in a bag and my notebook fell out on a train going to New York. So Grand Central, imagine the density of how many people pass through there every day. In the front of my notebook, I had actually written my name and my number and somebody called me and, and like I got my notebook back. That was the only time I had lost the notebook. And then another time, I would say at least two or three times, I found other people's notebook and automatically called them. And I hear these kind of stories all the time. So is that a fail safe? Absolutely not. But I, I will say one more thing, which kind of, I think, showcases how technology and the analog can work well together. Um, I was gifted a tile. I don't know if you're familiar with those. I, I have a few of those, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they have a flat tile, which I put into the pocket in the back of my notebook, just in case. I haven't needed it, but what it, what is funny is that I have lost my phone, and I use the tile to inside my notebook to <laughs> great. help me find my phone. So, uh, you know, take that story as, as you like. Uh, yeah, I have one. I have a really <laughs> slim one inside my wallet, and then I have one on my keychain. And so between my phone, my keys and my wallet, the kind of three things nobody leaves the home without, like I can mm. triangulate the, the, the missing one of those three. So I'm very familiar with tile, but that, that cracks me up that you have one inside your, but now I think it makes perfectly natural sense. I would totally do that. So for maybe some of the people out there who don't want to do an archive that is tangible. In other words, they are done with a journal, they've migrated, and they don't want to hold on to it, then maybe, yeah, you do maybe employ a digital tool to archive it, like, say, Evernote. Take pictures, put them in there, and with the OCR, I think you'd do pretty well, or at least you'd have a searchable, you know, something or other. I think maybe, I don't know if you've had any experience with that before or heard of anybody doing that. Yes, I yes, that, I have. That might be one possibility there. All I'll so. say is that I find that very interesting technology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I will, uh, apologies, but I'll pitch you is that's one of the reasons why I also created the, um, companion app for bullet journal. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to get to that. So that's perfectly great transition. Let's bring, let's bring that up. <laughs> right. So throughout this conversation, we, we've, we've talked about digital or analog and, and, the strengths of both. And again, I am a big fan of the digital and there are many things that a notebook can't do. And people consistently ask me for a bullet journal app. And my answer usually is there are plenty of to-do apps that are done by exceptional companies. And if that works for you, that's fine. If it doesn't work for me. That's why I do it this way. That being said, the idea of a bullet journal app started to fascinate me. Like what would that look like? And for me, Technology is at its best when it is solving a real problem. Like the bullet journal was born because it solved my problems. But there are some problems that the bullet journal can't solve. For example, it can't send me a reminder to reflect. So backtracking a little bit, part, another part of the practice is that every day we spend 
some time in the morning and some time in the evening reviewing our daily logs, right? It's called daily reflection or AMPM reflection. And sometimes you get caught up in the day. So I was like, it would be really nice if I had some way to remind me to check in with my bullet journal. So I just, I started setting an app to remind me to do that. And then another thing is that I thought it'd be really great for people to have the basic tutorial available to them anywhere they are. And they may not have their notebook with them, but they'll always have their phone with them. And as I get better at teaching the bullet journal, I keep changing how I describe things, try to you know reduce complexity and make it easier to understand. And so on the website, I'm constantly updating content, right? And I, on the one hand, I could just create like a tutorial that I can hand to people, right? A physical object, but that's a problem because it's constantly outdated. So I was like, it'd be really great to have a resource for the community, a free resource where they could just get the basics of bullet journaling. So all of a sudden I had two problems to face. And then another one is like, what happens if you don't have your notebook on you? Which is, I would say, the most, the most highlighted problem of bullet journal is that people are like, well, I don't take my notebook to the beach and I'm not going to take it to the party or on a date or so forth and so on. And that's an issue that I've run into myself. Like, where do I capture them? I was like, okay, so I'll use another app for that. So all of a sudden I was tackling all these different challenges with different apps. I'm like, okay. I think I have enough challenges now that I could actually combine into one app that was specifically designed for the bullet journal. And that's why I created the companion app. And the companion app does just that. It is not a bullet journal app. It is an accessory, if you will, for your notebook. So on the one hand, it has a consistently updated resource that's free that people can, they can learn about how to bullet journal, get the basics. I mean, the guide is free. The app is not free. They have a log, which allows people to log their tasks, events, and notes when they're away from their notebook it as a way for you to set reminders that allow you to check in in the morning and in the evening and set different times on the weekends if you want to sleep in. Um, and it also has the library, or at least the iOS for now has the library, which allows you to actually take pictures of your index of your notebooks so you can start to well so you basically can categorize your notebooks and tag them and you know what content is in which notebook so for example i'm looking at about 30 old notebooks that i have right in front of me here and the library helps me quickly be able to scan which notebook has which content what project i worked on or vacation or so forth and so on which again is something that's more challenging inside a notebook so the companion app is designed specifically to extend the functionality of the notebook. Now, I wanted to make it very clear that it doesn't replace the notebook. And I want to make it very clear that the notebook is still the primary tool. So one thing I did that's very divisive is in the log feature, you can write down your tasks, events, and notes. And for me, the problem with having a task list was that I'll just forget about it eventually, right? It'll just mm -hmm. become unending, overwhelming, and then I'll walk away from it. So I wanted to find a way to motivate people to consistently migrate the items from the app back into their notebook. It was very critical for me that that would happen because I knew for a fact that migration has made me significantly more productive. Yes, it takes more work, significantly more work than just tapping it into an app. 
but it is that work that actually helps me execute. So the way that I motivate people to enter this information back into their notebook is that you have 72 hours from the time that you enter a note to copy it over into your notebook. Otherwise it's gone. So essentially three days, you know, that's, that's a decent amount of time. I mean, again, if somebody is, you know, out and about without the journal, Mm -hmm. then the thing that we always have with us, for better or for worse, our phone uh, that has the app on it, then allows you to capture the stuff. And again, you're probably going to be in the vicinity and probably also have the time to get back the journal out and log. Right. I mean, so I can, but I can see some people finding that a bit divisive, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's okay. You know, I just feel like I rather, encourage people to continue thinking about what it is that they're doing than just create like another to-do list in like the ocean of to-do lists that's been done this hasn't and the reason people to do this is because time and time again i've heard how helpful that's been because once you lose a note man you're motivated to not have that happen again at the same time that migration process really emulates how it works in the notebook because a lot of times like, okay, I don't want to rewrite this thing. And all of a sudden you're like, why am I doing it? So you just watch these things that are, don't add any value to life evaporate. So uh, it helps you turn this behavior into a habit. And plus it's hard to forget because you're reminded twice a day to do this, right? <laughs> Every time you get a reminder, it's like when you get a reminder and you bring up the app, it will show you all the things that haven't been transferred yet. And you can actually, change the state of an entry so for example the task the task bullet is a dot and you can swipe right to actually indicate that that has been migrated into your notebook so you know the state of all of your entries inside the app as well yeah i I think this is a great augmentation it's not necessary to Mm -hmm. do the app but it's definitely you know it's an add-on it's a hey if you really want to have this extra capability, you know, it's, it's a digital augmentation of the already mostly or completely analog system. And I think that's great. So, yeah, I mean, it, for me, the, the, my driving, I guess my driving focus is to build tools to help people accomplish their goals or clarify what matters to them. Right. Like, do you need the app? Absolutely not. But if, you find that you constantly keep struggling with a very specific thing, like you don't have your note, you don't have your notebook around. It's there as a tool, right? It's another tool for your tool chest. The same thing with the the notebook that I designed for bullet journaling as well. Do you need that notebook? Absolutely not. But if you want a notebook, this one is the one that's designed specifically for bullet journaling, and it's you know it just adds a couple of details that makes it just a little bit easier. So that's that's what inspires all the things that I produce at this point. You know, yeah. is any of it necessary? No. The only thing that's necessary is pen, paper, and some time. That's it. It's a lot more simple than people think. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that, you know, even though we, for a moment, kind of dug in a little bit, like we kept it fairly <laughs> simple in this conversation. If people really want to dig in, though, they should grab the book. They should go to the site. 
And again, the book is launching October 23rd. It's called The Bullet Journal Method, Track the Past, Order the Present, Design the Future. I think this is going to be really cool for a lot of people who have, in a, in some senses, given up on really being intentional because they feel trapped by digital or digital only. And I think this is going to open things up for them. So I highly suggest people check it out. I mean, I'm holding the copy of the book right now in my hand. And one, I love hardback books. I mean, this is one of the reasons why, you know, the whole Kindle thing, the whole digital reading thing, that's fine. I'm not against it. I do it still, but I'm still much more of a fan of tangible, you know, hold it in your hand, paper books. I feel I just enjoy it more. I don't know why. Uh, if you're one of those people and productivity has kind of stymied you, then this is something you really need to consider. So I, I assume people should just go one, grab the book, but two, go to your website. Yeah. They can find a whole bunch of different resources at bulletjournal.com where you can check out the book, the description of what's inside of it. Also, you can access the free tutorial videos that I've created. Check out the notebook. It's, it's a really good resource and also helps you find and connect to probably the coolest thing about the bullet journal, which is the community. Going back to what I kind of said at the beginning where it was like, oh, it kind of seems like this is the new productivity fad. It's because with most fads, even if they start off as one and then they become something that's kind of legacy or held like in regard, it's that there's something meaningful there. And people just get so excited about it, you know? So that's what this is. And I, I, you know, there's definitely community behind this. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the most interesting things is seeing what people make out of the bullet journal, right? They, they, they apply it to use cases that I could have never conceived of. And they've made the bullet journal significantly more diverse and, and meaningful than I ever could on my own. So if, if there are questions that you may have that I can't answer, the, the community becomes an incredible resource. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never be a veteran and I'll never be a mother or a doctor, but like all these different kinds of people have figured out how to use the bullet journal in their own lives. And that's endlessly fascinating and inspiring to me. So everybody should go check that out. I'll put it, I'll link it all up in the show notes for this episode and uh, Ryder, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So I don't know about you, but again, you've heard me say this a number of times and at least once in this episode. And, and and I know in other recorded episodes that are not yet released, I hate my handwriting. So for me, the journaling thing is hard to do. It's, it's a bit difficult. I don't like using hand-drawn or handwritten anything, really. But I recognize the benefit of it, and I do just do it for myself in order to, again, tap into that part of my brain that is accessed through doing the analog act of writing with my hands instead of typing with my fingers. There is a difference, and you'll hear more about that in, a, in an upcoming episode, uh, I'm sure. But that acknowledgement, that self-awareness for myself helps. And actually, even taking some of the bullet journal methodology and applying that to my digital tool of choice, which is Things 3 on the Mac and iOS, it has helped for me to be able to use it and even use it in conjunction with handwritten tools to a certain extent. Uh, not going to go into that too much more right here, but I will again in a future episode. That cross-pollination, that the idea here is to use each tool to its strength and eliminate it when it comes to 
its downsides. And so that's what I've been doing. I'm curious what you're doing, though. And and if you'd ever heard of bullet journaling or the bullet journal method, I'd love to hear back from you. Go over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 248. That's where you'll find the show notes for this episode. And if you know of somebody who needs to hear about bullet journaling, I'd love for you to hit share on the share buttons on the site while you're over at the show notes. Let somebody know about this bullet journaling episode. And with that, I will see you next episode.